having a tribe is one of the most helpful things to get you onto sobriety. And even if you don't really know if you want to be permanently sober, being sober curious and looking at your drinking is an amazing thing to do. And doing it with a, a, a bunch of like-minded people is good. It, the biggest problem with trying to do stuff on your own is you, you hide everything and you feel bad and you feel shame and you, you don't know who you can talk to. And talking to people helps you sort things out. Joining Tribe Sober was just the most amazing thing for me. And that was over five years ago now. And I'm still sober and I'm very much a sobriety advocate. Welcome to the Tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, Tribe Leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 192. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol, and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last eight years, we've helped thousands of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we know from experience that it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. You need to find a new tribe. Because social norms are so powerful. And that's why connecting with others on the same path will keep you on track and inspire you to keep going. At Tribe Sober, we're all about community. It's a community where everyone strives for an alcohol-free lifestyle and many of our members are already thriving in their alcohol-free lives and helping others to do the same. Each week, we feature a community voice, just to give you a flavor of the awesomeness of our tribe. When people get into a dark place with uh, you know, alcohol, they tend to isolate themselves. And the opposite of that is a community. And the tribe is an unbelievably great community for me. I, I'm able to get a lot of a lot out of the tribe, and I I try to put some something back into it, and that's why I try to attend as much as I can uh, the uh, the Zoom cafes and the comments on WhatsApp. You know, the tribe gave me a place to be around like-minded people and hear their stories and get inspired by you know people have a cry when someone's really struggling, but really understand that there are people out there that are, you know, are going through this. So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. And if you're used to receiving regular emails from Tribe Sober and are wondering why they've suddenly stopped, it's because of a malfunction with our mailing host, MailChimp. That little disaster resulted in our mailing list being halved from 7,000 to 3,500. So if you're one of those 3,500 that are no longer receiving our emails and you want to, 
then please go to tribesober.com and sign up for our freebie, Seven Steps to Connect with Your Superpower, and you'll be automatically added back to the list. Or email Sue directly at membership at tribesober.com and she'll put you back on. My guest today is one of the Tribe Sober team members, Lucy Dentith. Lucy came to our first London workshop back in 2018. She got sober and like so many of us, she became passionate about sobriety. She also became an indispensable member of the Tribe Sober team and very generously volunteers her time to work with us to help our members to change their relationship with alcohol. I began by asking Lucy to introduce herself. My name's Lucy. I'm in the UK, in England. I live in Derbyshire, which is the middle of the country, uh, on a small holding. So I've got a little farm, I've got horses, I've got a husband, I've got cats. And I've, I, I retired from work. I was a railway engineer. So now I'm just a sort of farmer and crafter, really. Since I stopped drinking, all my hobbies yeah. have taken off, which is an amazing thing. I do a lot of arts and crafts as well as running a bit of a farm. You're a fantastic example of how we can get in touch with our creativity when we get sober. So let's dive into the drinking story, shall we? How did it all start and why did it finish? I wasn't a teenage drinker. I didn't have the wherewithal, the finances to do it. I started drinking socially probably in my 20s. And as my affluence increased with jobs, my drinking increased. And it was just a thing that everybody did. Everybody went out and everybody had a few beers or a few glasses of wine. And it just slowly crept up. It became a habit, really. I often wonder, why did I drink? What was it that made me drink? But there wasn't anything really that made me drink. It was just something that I did, that everybody did. And it, it slowly crept up. And you had a busy job or whatever. You come home, you have a glass of wine, and one glass became two. And my life progressed on that front. And I didn't really question the amount I was drinking because everybody was drinking similarly. And then I had some ill health. I had a liver virus, but they didn't know that at the time. So I went to doctors and, oh, you're drinking a bit too much. Stop drinking. So I did. And I had a nine months of all sorts of investigations. And at the end of that, they decided I had a virus. There's nothing booked itself out in time. And my husband said, can Lucy drink again? He said, oh, yes, just in moderation, just one or two glasses a week. Oh, yeah, yeah, fine. And of course, you... You have one or two glasses for a few weeks and then it becomes two or three glasses and then it gets back to drinking more regularly. Um, but by that time, I was more aware of drinking. So um, I was counting units and I was keeping an eye on it and I was trying to keep it within sensible levels. Um, and life went on and my drinking levels carried on creeping up again, not because of anything, uh, just because alcohol is addictive substance and the more you drink, the more you drink. And then I had some more ill health. I ended up going to see a consultant because I got into uh, digestive issues. And he said, you really ought to moderate your drinking. And I had a, sort of nine months going to see this chap and having various investigations. And I, it was a sort of a bit of a, a shit or bust moment for me because I'd stopped drinking and then I'd, it would creep up again and I'd stop and it would creep up again. But I couldn't moderate. I couldn't just have one glass of wine. If I opened a bottle of wine, I was going to drink the bottle. I'd either got to lie to this guy and say I'd stopped drinking or I was moderating or I'd got to get my act together. At that time, 
Claire Pooley's Sober Diaries jumped off the shelf at me in a bookshop when I read it. I thought it was great. It was Claire that suggested the first, what was then, World Without Wine workshop in London. And I was quite interested in this because I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to stop drinking. But I was thinking, do I go to this workshop? Do I, you know, it's quite a lot of money. I've got to go to London. It'll be loads of people I don't know. It'll be rather scary. And I watched the tickets creeping down and there was one ticket left. And I thought, oh, sorry, I'm going for it. So I bought the ticket and then I met you and Claire in London. And that workshop really, it really supercharged me because I've been sober a month when I got there. And it really helped me get over the next step because most people can do a day or a week or a month. They can white knuckle through it, but actually they can't then keep going. And the reason I think they can't keep going is because they're still perceiving all these benefits in alcohol. We're bombarded with them and we keep thinking, oh, you've got to have alcohol to have fun or to be cheerful or to celebrate this or to commiserate that or you deserve it because you've had a tub toe. We sold all these things by the alcohol industry and in reality we believe it and we become dependent on the damn stuff. Going to the workshop, the very first London workshop for me in 2018 was an eye-opener and it gave me a crowd of people that were the same as me and we could support each other. We set a UK WhatsApp group, which is great, there was the South African one or the worldwide one and just having those people and that support made all the difference. It gave you a reason for keeping going. And when it was tough, you, you could tell people it was tough and they would support you and you'd support them. Having a tribe is one of the most helpful things to get you onto sobriety. And even if you don't really know if you want to be permanently sober, being sober curious and looking at your drinking is an amazing thing to do. And doing it with a, a, a bunch of like-minded people is good. It, the biggest problem with trying to do stuff on your own is you, you hide everything and you feel bad and you feel shame and you, you don't know who you can talk to and talking to people helps you sort things out. Joining Tribe Sober was just the most amazing thing for me and that was over five years ago now and I'm still sober and I'm very much a sobriety advocate. I love Tribe Sober, I support it. And you're very much a, a part of the Tribe Sober team. You've been very generously volunteering your time for for years now and you always come to the zoom cafe and you say you love coming to the zoom cafe tell, tell me why you love being involved and helping people because you've helped the tribe so much what do you get out um, of it because you're a busy woman you've got cats and <laughs> horses and husbands and yet you generously give your time you can always find time for the things you want to do that's one thing i would say and I feel very thankful that Tribe Sober has helped me in my sobriety journey. It helped me change my life around. It gave me the opportunity to live my best life. And if I can pay a bit of that back and help other people to start living their best lives and getting their health and relationships and all the good things that come with sobriety, if I can help other people, then that gives me a lot of pleasure. I'm more of a visual person. I, I, I love seeing the Zoom cafe because you can see people's faces changing, looking more healthy. And you start off often with very nervous people because they don't know what it's all about and somebody might see and they might know somebody on it. And then as they relax into it and realise what a beautiful community it is, they start to flourish and they start to put a few days together of sobriety or a few months. And we all celebrate successes. 
whether it's one day or 30 days or five years, it doesn't matter. At the Zoom Cafe, everybody celebrates successes. Seeing people cheering for you and hearing that, the, the, the WhatsApp support, the website, it's all brilliant. But having people clapping and cheering for you at the cafe, I think, is a lovely thing. And I get so much pleasure out of seeing everybody's nervousness turning into smiles and turning into successes and hearing how their lives are changing. And I think also, Janet, it keeps me focusing on why I'm doing this. I've forgotten really the trouble I had when I was trying to give up. It took me 10 years really to decide that moderation was a waste of time and alcohol was actually doing me a lot of harm. Seeing people, hearing people's stories at the Zoom cafe when they start out and you just want to hug them all because such awful things have happened to people and they've used drink as a coping strategy. One of the things I like doing now is trying to help people change their coping strategies so they don't need to drink. They can have a healthy coping strategy. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy. Just thinking about yesterday's Zoom cafe, we had a a lady that's about nine months sober and she's just having her 60th birthday and she looks so amazing, doesn't she? She looks completely different to when she joined. And then we had another lady that was in floods of tears because she's had a, a difficult bereavement to cope with. And after a period of sobriety, she was using the alcohol as a coping mechanism. As you say, that's one of the biggest things. It's like a test, isn't it? I think we've been sober for a while and we're, we're coping, but then something dreadful happens. And do we dive straight into the bottle? That's the question. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Since you've been working with us, you've come up with some brilliant ideas. So I thought we'd touch on a few. The tracker. The tracker is such a huge success. And anyone listening to this that would like a tracker, just write to me, Janet, at tribesober.com and we'll send you Lucy's tracker. But Lucy, why do you think people love it so much? I think. The tracker is a, a useful tool and I, I created the very first one for the UK group after I'd started so we could see how we were doing. And I think any sort of tracker that records how you're doing is a good thing as long as you use it as a tool to encourage, not as a tool to beat and berate yourself. So you've got to have the right mindset towards any sort of tracker. I think sometimes if you don't use it in the right mindset, you stop doing it. If you've had a few days drinking, you stop doing it if you're beating yourself up. But having a paper tracker, there's something very visceral about filling a little box in and you get yourself a little feel-good dopamine hit in your brain. So ticking something off when you've achieved something is, is a good thing for you. And we start to lose our happy chemicals when we stop drinking because alcohol's provided them and it stopped us making our own. So anything you can do that gives you a little feel-good neurotransmitter in your brain is a good thing and, and using the tracker is one of those things it puts your journey into perspective as well so if you've done three or four days and you get to friday and you end up drinking even though you perhaps decided you weren't you don't then go oh look i've failed you go i did four days i've messed the weekend up if you're sat friday night rolled into saturday whatever but i'm going to start again and so you start to see little blocks of success and if you focus on those, it makes you realise actually you can do this thing. You can go some time without drinking and it gives you encouragement. Whereas not recording it, our brains are very good at looking at the negative. So all they look at is the days we failed. 
they don't see the fact we did five days last week not drinking. They just look at the fact that we've drunk for two and we're a failure. Actually, no, we're a success because five-sevenths of the week we didn't drink. We can celebrate those. So it starts to give you encouragement. And anything that you do that focuses you on what you want to do is a good thing. Focuses you on your successes is a good thing. The apps are great, I'm sure. I've got one ticking along still somewhere. But actually filling a little square in, colouring it in, there's something much more tangible about it. We had a lady that used to fill her square in when she got up in the morning and that was her way of setting her intention for the day. I love that. And it just gives people the big picture, as you said, perspective. And do you remember Monica's tracker, the way that she had all those 84-day ones But then every sober stretch got a bit longer and a bit longer and a bit longer. And she's still got that tracker because it's such a a lovely record of her journey. So, yeah, we love the trackers. We've got them for lots of things now, haven't we? We've got them for 66-day challenge. We've got them for one month. And uh, my favourite, we've got them for boot camp as well, where people tick off the hours of sobriety. And the Christmas one (laughs) coming up as well. We've got a Christmas one. Of course. And the why list. It, it's about just thinking of reasons to do something rather than things not to do. Saying I don't want to drink is a negative. A brain doesn't like negatives very well. Saying why you want to reduce your drinking, be sober, curious, get sober, whatever. Why you want to change your life is a very constructive way to do it. And if you get very clear about what it is you're trying to achieve and why, particularly why you want to achieve it, then you're much less likely to get pulled back into the, th- the thing you're trying to change when you get triggers. And we all get triggers for things for quite some time afterwards. So being clear why you're changing. My whys were things like better health, better sleep. I wanted to improve my relationships. I wanted to do more with my life. I seemed to be pouring my life into a wine glass rather than living it. I wanted to live my best life. A lot of people, their wives, their children, they want to be there for their children. They want to set a good example or, I don't know, they, they want to do better at work or they want to achieve the next level of fitness because they want to run a marathon or whatever. But if you understand what it is that's your reason for changing, then when it gets a bit tough, you can really focus on that and get through the tough bits. The Finding Your Why exercise, which is on the website and People do it in the workshops or after the workshops. It's a very good exercise when you're starting out to focus on why you're doing this. Because nothing in life is easy when you want to change something, especially when you've been doing something for a long time in a different way. So if you focus on why you want to change and what's the positives and what benefit you get from changing, then that makes change a lot easier. You've got a reason for doing it when it gets tough. Yeah, and as you remember from the workshops that you you help to facilitate, people's whys are always important ones, aren't they? And I think my favourite why list was that lady that had photographs on her phone as a screensaver. She had uh, car keys because she used to drive when she'd had a few drinks and she had her family and she had a photograph from the office, her career. And every time she opened her phone, and if she's like most of us, that was many times a day, she would see these. So either have them on your phone or just in your journal. I think they're like an engine, really, that 
keeps the whole thing going because we have to have good reasons to do things. It's, it's human nature, isn't it? As you know, I'm a great fan of your reframes. They're usually born at the Zoom cafe, aren't they? <laughs> because you've been talking about something and they've just come out. I always uh, love the problem into opportunity one because there was a lady at the Zoom cafe that was feeling very deep down about her drinking problem, as she called it. Tell us what you said to her. Yeah, she'd go on about a problem, it's a problem, it's a problem. Poor me, it's a problem. And I said, look, love, I said, you've not got a problem, you've got an opportunity. When we're doing something that's not great for us, we have an opportunity to change. And if we didn't do that thing, we wouldn't need to change so we could carry on with a mediocre life or, or we can get a brilliant life. When people say, oh, I've got a problem with my drinking, you haven't got a problem. You've got an opportunity to have a wonderful life, to have better relationships, to have better health, whatever it is that you're aiming for. And stopping drinking will allow you to achieve all of those things if you put the work in. Getting curious about your uh, sobriety or deciding you want to stop drinking. It's such an opportunity to get your life back and do things with your life and to make better memories. And, and we lose so much by drinking. If we drink a lot in the week and the weekends, our memories aren't made well and we don't do things. We even sit around talking crap, don't we? Another of my favourites that you touched on briefly there is the fact that we gain so much more than we lose. I certainly was terrified of giving up drinking because I thought I'd lose my friends. I thought I'd lose the ability to have fun and to relax. And I think a lot of people are like that because we've been programmed by big alcohol to think that way, to think that we need a toxic product in our lives to have a happy life. So I love the way that you turn that around as well. I think everybody gets very worried about what they think alcohol does. And if it's not there, what's life going to be like? And actually, the things that we worry about losing when we stop drinking are not really things at all. And, and it's very difficult to explain this to somebody that's new to trying sobriety because they're bound to be worried about the change and how their life was. That's the life they know. And in reality, if you ask them in six months or 12 months, all the things they were worrying about, they didn't become a big thing. The things they lost were things that were of no value. They lost hangovers. They lost poor skin. They lost bad moods. Alcohol's terrible for fueling anxiety and depression. I had depression and my depression has been virtually non-existent now since I stopped drinking. So all the things we think we're going to lose that we worry about aren't really anything to worry about. And the things that we lose are things that are great to lose. You can celebrate. And we gain so much more. There's very little you don't gain by stopping drinking. But because it's so prevalent in society, we're bound to be concerned. But once you get into the routine and you learn how to live in your own skin and you start to like yourself a bit more and be more authentic, you suddenly find that actually alcohols just add anything at all to your life. So the gains are magnificent and the losses are worth having. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think people find that hard to believe in early recovery and they find it hard to believe that it will get easier and easier. But if people can just keep going and keep going for two, three months, they're going to discover all these things for themselves. 
I liked what Lisa said yesterday. Uh, we need to obsess about sobriety for the first few months. Read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, use all the trackers, just do everything. And then your life will change and it'll become easier and easier. So you had your fifth soberversary a few months ago. Congratulations. Give, give us five things that you've learned from five Ooh. sober years. I'm not going to talk about early sobriety because that's a bit of a dim and distant thing to me. I'll, what I'll talk about is where I am now because this will hopefully give your listeners a, a bit of hope in terms of where's life going rather than how do I do it now because there's lots of stuff on the website and uh, being a tribe sober member, there's lots of stuff about the now but not so much about the future. The first thing I would say is we can do hard and that's a strange thing to say. Our lives are always going to be hard and messy. There's things always going to happen. And yet, when we live in the moment, we don't cloud our brain with alcohol. We start to live and deal with things that are difficult. And we're going to get difficult things. And our ability to cope improves dramatically. So probably one of my big things was my coping skills improved. And that was down to hard work, Janet, as much as stopping drinking. I had coaching with Lynette and she's helped me deal with a lot of things in my life and look at them in a better way. I've read a lot of books to help improve the way I think and I've got interested in more psychology and brain chemistry and spirituality, lots of things. Realising we can do hard things and they're not going to kill us. If something's hard or tough or difficult, it's not going to kill us. It might make us feel uncomfortable but actually, we can deal with uncomfortable feelings. And the more we learn to cope, we, the more we expand and improve our coping mechanisms, the easier that gets. And then the second one I would say is living in the moment more. We spend our lives worrying about what we did yesterday or beating ourselves up about what we should have done or didn't do or what somebody said. Or we're living in the future and we're imagining the worst catastrophe or we're imagining we're going to marry a prince and live in a castle and be happy ever after or win the lottery or whatever. So we never actually live in the moment that we're in now. And living in the moment just brings you peace. It focuses your mind into what you're doing now and it gives you a much better mental clarity. It stops your brain running away with you, with your thoughts. It focuses you on what you're doing. So crafts and hobbies, singing, dancing, keep fit, all sorts of sports, any sort of creative hobby. They are all brilliant for making you focus on the now and living in the moment because none of us really know whether we're going to get another year or another day or another 20 or 50 or 80 years. We're all going to die at some point. So actually enjoying today and, and making the most of the day is probably one of the best things we can do to improve quality of our life. The third thing I would say is we all have our manuals as to how things should be. I think my husband should behave in this way. I think my children should pick up their shoes and dirty socks and put them away. We all know how we want other people to behave, but everybody has their own manuals and they're all different. Not taking things personally and not being too attached to what people think of us is another thing that I've developed in my five years. And it's been quite a hard one for me because I do worry about what people think of me. And to realise that a lot of 
what I perceive as a negative is that they're just perhaps having a bad day, but I'll take something very personally and then I'll beat myself up about it for days and days, turn it around and turn it into a monster. And actually just letting things go and going, okay, they're perhaps having a bad day. That's their problem, not mine. That's been such a useful tool. And that's one of my big coping tools to stop me drinking. So if somebody's being difficult, I don't take it personally anymore. I, I do a bit, but I'm getting better at not. I'm trying. That's me work in progress. And that stops you rush, rushing for a bottle um, or, a, or something to soothe you. You don't need that something. You just have to calm down and think, it's not a big deal. I don't need to run away with my thoughts on that. We'll see what tomorrow brings. They'll probably come and apologise if they've upset you. And if they don't, it doesn't matter. Let it go. Life's very short. Fourth thing is change your thinking, change your life. This is another one of my mantras. Whatever's happening for us, we can make easier if we think about it. And this is where the reframes come in that we've talked about. And again, this is something you have to practice. So your thoughts aren't real, but we believe them. We, we have a head full of thoughts and we think they're all perfectly true and they're totally real and we believe them and then we build them and we fire them up and our brain is a very negative thing it looks for negative things to keep us safe that's what it's designed to do and so we tend to focus on the negative and the bad not focus on the good things that happen and the positives i'm not saying everybody's got to run around being 100 percent happy all the time but if we can try and look for the good in things rather than for the bad We'll feel a lot happier. It won't change what's going on outside of us. Whatever's happening outside of us is happening. And, that, and that's just it. It's neutral. But what we make it mean in our heads makes it good or bad, positive or negative. We're very judgmental as, as humans. We compare ourselves. We, we take offence at things. We're all oh, that should happen. And in reality, it's just thoughts in our heads. So the more we can just slow down and be curious about our thinking and question it a little bit, the more we can find thoughts that don't change the circumstance, but they change our biochemistry, they change the way we're thinking and they make us a lot happier in the long run. That's my fourth one. Change your thinking, change your life. And the, th the fifth thing really would be nothing really matters. It's just what we make it mean. And you can tell these are all on the same sort of theme. I remember somebody saying to me, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And at the time, my mum was quite elderly and we used to have some real vundinging rows about things because we had different worldviews. And I started thinking about that. I thought, I don't want to go and row with my mum every time I see her. She's getting on in years. She's very fixed in what she thinks. Why do I need to have an argument? I don't need to. I don't need to be right. I believe what I believe. I don't need her to change to validate my beliefs. Oh, yes, that's interesting. Why do you think that, Mum? Not having to be right, not having to argue. It takes two people to make an argument. And if you don't argue back, then you've got no argument. And you both feel better about that. I'd say that's probably the, the theme of the things. We can do hard. We, we need to live in the moment. We've all got our own manuals. Change your thinking, change your life, and, and, and nothing really matters. That's wonderful, Lucy. Yeah, there's such useful stuff there. And I think uh, Lynette's taught us, hasn't, hasn't she, about how we must mm. be curious. And I think that's helpful in so many situations, isn't it? 
It just helps us to be objective and not to get emotionally involved in what's the going problem on. Is, I think, again, if you put this back to early sobriety, as soon as anything happens, we take it personally. We don't like the emotions it creates. Yeah. We go and pour ourselves a drink to blot out the emotion. We can be happy. Oh, we'll have a drink. We can be sad. We'll have a drink. That's... We're angry. We'll have a drink. Whatever we're doing, we have a drink. Actually, the drink does nothing for us. It does absolutely nothing. But starting to get curious about thinking changes it all. Yeah. It just helps us to understand ourselves, doesn't it? Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at tribesober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. So we're coming up to the festive season. I, I do feel for people facing their first sober Christmas, if they're only a couple of months in, it can be quite tough. Give us some tips for those people. My biggest tip for anybody in early sobriety is to plan. Is to plan, plan. Because if you haven't got a plan, you're going to default to your normal behavior and normal behavior will be drinking. Whatever it is you're going to do, if you're going out to works parties or you're going out with friends more or Christmas Day itself and the alcohol starts flowing with Bucks Visit Breakfast, plan what you're going to do instead because if you've got a plan, it's a lot easier to stay with your aim of staying sober this Christmas. Some people love Christmas, some people hate it. We're always in a strange mix of emotions. You've always got family, perhaps family people that are difficult and you think that's going to be challenging or you've got no family at all and you think you're going to be depressed because you've got nothing to do. We all tend to be hyper excited on one hand because it's Christmas and then all these things are going to be wrong and it's going to be really stressful. And so they're all good reasons for drinking. And actually, if we don't want to drink, planning is a good thing. And if we can focus on the things that are going to be fun and we're going to enjoy and that are going to go well and then visualize those things going well, visualize Christmas Day with you just drinking sparkling water or a nice alcohol-free beer or something that you like drinking that's alcohol-free and making sure you've got a lot in. If you visualize that day going through and those things happening, that's what you're more likely to get because your brain's focusing on looking for the good bits and taking you down that way. And my other thing, I, I said before with my mum, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Take two people to have an argument. Don't argue. You don't need to be right. You know you're right. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have somebody else being right. So just let them get on with it. Oh, that's an interesting comment. Why do you think that? Well, oh, fine. Oh, change the subject to something you want to talk about that's not contentious. But don't get drawn into any sort of negativity or argumentativeness because when people are drinking, they will become more opinionated and more argumentative. And that might be a big trigger for you. Have an escape plan as well. If you go to the works party, make sure you drive so you can drive home. You can't drink or have a taxi come early to pick you up or get somebody to pick you up early. And if you don't think you can cope with it, just don't go. You're not going to get sapped for missing the works Christmas party. You can phone up with a migraine or the stomach upset or whatever you want. But if you're scared of it and you really don't feel you're going to cope well, don't go. And if you can enlist somebody to help you, keep buying me 
sparkly waters. Don't let me get drawn into drinking the wine. Have a friend that supports you if you're going somewhere that's going to be challenging or decide you're not going to go. I'll tell you another thing I'll say about Christmas. You're going to have an amazing Christmas, everybody. Christmas is going to be amazing, so think on that fact. And if all goes wrong and it all goes tits up and you have a hideous Christmas and you end up drinking, it's not a big deal because you get to do it again next year if you're lucky, so you're just practising. But have a plan, and the more you plan, the more likely you are to succeed. I always remember as a drinker going into January feeling terribly depressed and I think there's even uh, a day isn't there in the UK called Blue Monday or something it's like the second Monday in January when all the Christmas nonsense has died down and everybody's just feeling hungover it's and when the depressed credit cards, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> January can be very flat so you can go into the new year with us with a completely different yeah. frame of mind So imagine someone's listening to this and they're thinking it's all right for those two rabbiting on, but they've been sober for years, but I just don't know where to start. I have tried and failed and tried and failed, and I don't think I'll ever get the hang of this. What can I do? What I would say to people is every journey starts with one thing. And what's the most important thing on any journey? It's the very first step you take. And so having a thought, am I drinking too much? Am I sober curious? Do I know I should give up? It's a case of, well, try it on for size. So decide you're going to not drink and take the first step is a day. If you've been drinking every day for a long time, the first step is one day. And if one day is too hard, then break it down into hours in the day. Break it down into tens of minutes, particularly when your witching hour is that's when we always drink at five o'clock when you come in from work. Break it down and keep colouring in little squares for five minutes, one minute, five minutes, ten minutes, whenever it's difficult. And just have a go and see what comes up for you and be curious. If you drink, it doesn't matter. You can think about it and go, all right, why did I drink? I decided in the morning I wasn't going to drink and in the evening I'm pouring myself a glass of wine. It's no right or wrong. There's no failure. It's just a journey and you get curious. And curiosity is your friend in sobriety, in, in early sobriety. It's your friend for the rest of your life, to be honest, with whatever you're doing. Do your first step. Decide you're going to do a day, a week, a month, and just take that step. And there's never a right time. There will never, ever be a right time. There will always be a birthday or a, a party or a meal you've been invited to or something will be up. There'll always be a wedding anniversary. There'll be something in your diary this month that you can't do this month because I've got this, this. Just start it. JFDI, just do it. And be kind to yourself as you're going along because as we start new things, we invariably trip ourselves up because we've not anticipated something. If you mess up, it doesn't matter. You don't get to fill of that day on your track again. You can colour the next day. You start again. So keep starting and keep adding your days up and that will give you confidence. And as you string a few more days together and as you get some days with no alcohol in your system, particularly if you can get two or three days together, you'll start to feel better. Our big one is take a picture of you before you start as well, because you'll be amazed how different you look after a few weeks, after a few months, after six months, you'll be a different person. The calories and crap hidden in alcohol that come out through your skin are not good. Be kind to yourself. If you have a bad day, you have a bad day. It's gone now. You've got a new day. 
Every day we get a new day to do a day not drinking. Do it with enjoyment, do it with enthusiasm, do it with excitement because you're going to get a new life and start to plan what your new life will be. If you say for every drink you don't have, you put that money in a pot or a little bank account, you'd be amazed how much you spend it just drinking a bottle of wine a night. You can be huge amount of money after three months, six months. And you can use that money for something really special for yourself, for it to treat yourself for a holiday or a massage or flowers or something that will give you some pleasure. Who guess not perfection is the big one. Start the journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love your 66 day trackers, particularly because we use those a lot because in 66 days, you should be able to build a new neural pathway, which means it's easier after those 66 days. But I say to people, don't be intimidated by the 66-day tracker. Just see how many days you can get out of 66. Maybe it's only six, and then you move on to another tracker, another 66, and then maybe you'll get 10, 15 days then. Because what I've found after doing this for eight years is people will try and they'll start and they'll say, oh, no, this is too hard. But they come back because they know that there's something there. And just the fact that they've tried in the first place, because let's face it, the average kind of guy in the street or lady in the street, it wouldn't even occur to them to drink less. They're just so in the habit. Just do your best and progress, not perfection. And, And you will come back to it because once you've experienced even a small amount of sobriety, you'll realize how good it feels. And we have so many people, don't we, coming to us that, say, oh, I was sober for three years once and then I decided I could moderate and it all went pear-shaped, so I'm going to try again. I usually ask them what it was like. How did you feel when you were sober? And they said, it was fantastic, don't they? Always. And they want to go back to that place. So that, to me, speaks full. Janet, I think the, the people that do a big stint of sobriety and then they get caught again and then drink again, I think quite often it's because they've not developed the coping strategies sufficiently well. And my sort of plea to anybody listening that's got a reason, got a, a run of sobriety under the belt, is don't give up doing your learning. Keep learning and growing and keep developing your coping strategies and get some coaching. Read good books to get new ideas in your head and practice these things because, as I said, things are going to happen in life. That's what life is. But how we cope with them will dictate what happens next and learning healthy coping strategies is is so helpful because I lost two mothers three horses two cats in the last three years and that sounds a bit horses and cats who cares but I've lost things that have been very precious to me and I've coped and I was so glad I could be there for my my mum at the end of her life which if I'd have been drinking I'd have just been it all about me and I'd have been blotting my pain and I'd have been drinking gallons and And it would have been disrespectful to her and it would have stolen the last opportunities I could have to spend a little bit of time with my mum before I lost her. And if you learn coping strategies and you don't have to default to drinking, because drinking doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't do any of the things, the good things you think it does. It's a lie. It's a lie. So learning better coping, healthy coping strategies means that whatever's coming over the hill, you'll deal with it. And it doesn't mean it won't be painful, but you'll deal with it and you'll thrive and you'll grow and you'll learn from it and you'll be better next time something else happens. Thank you so much for the share, Lucy. 
and for everything you do for the tribe. Let's pull out some key points. You heard Lucy talking about the joy she takes from seeing our members change as they engage with our community via Zoom and WhatsApp. This has convinced her of the essential role that community support plays on this journey. It provides ongoing encouragement and a sense of belonging. Helping others to find healthy coping strategies and sharing success stories creates a positive and encouraging environment. So if you haven't yet taken a look at our membership program, please go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. Apart from being a key contributor at our weekly Zoom cafes, Lucy has created some invaluable tools that are now very much part of the support that we offer our members. First of all, she designed our trackers. The tracker is an essential tool for recording and celebrating sobriety milestones. As Lucy says, the trackers should be used as a positive tool for encouragement and keeping track of where we are in our journey. If you'd like us to send you Lucy's Christmas tracker or if you'd like to come to our Zoom cafe as a guest one Saturday, just write to membership at tribesober.com. Lucy also designed our brilliant Finding Your Why exercise. Because understanding why you want to change and focusing on the positive benefits helps so much in times of difficulty. A clear sense of purpose will make the journey of change easier and help you to keep going during those wobbly periods. Your why list will act as the engine of your sobriety. And apart from coming up with trackers and the Y exercise, Lucy has a unique way of looking at things and she's come up with some awesome reframes. The first thing that Lucy did was to help people realise that their drinking problem was actually an opportunity. And indeed, when I first realised I would have to give up drinking because of my health, I felt totally depressed. I thought the good times were over and I know that many of our new members feel that way. Of course, now that I'm eight years sober, I realise it's the best decision I ever made, and my life has opened up in ways I could never have imagined. You heard Lucy explain how she convinced one of our tribe members that she didn't have a drinking problem. She had an opportunity to make some changes so that she could finally realise her potential in life. So viewing your drinking problem as an opportunity for positive change will reframe your mindset. Another classic Lucy reframe is that when we ditch the booze, we gain so much more than we lose. Sobriety is not a loss, but it's an opportunity to improve our health and increase our happiness. Those worries we have about losing things due to sobriety often turn out to be unfounded. The things we lose are definitely not worth having. Hangovers, blackouts, poor health, lack of energy, bad sleep. Whereas sobriety brings so many gains. For example, improved physical and mental health along with having more time and money. Because Lucy's recently celebrated her fifth soberversary, I asked her to share her top five learnings. So she's improved her coping skills. 
She believes that sobriety enhances the ability to cope with difficult situations. The focus shifts from clouding the mind with alcohol to facing and dealing with challenges. We often say that sobriety is a springboard to self-development and that personal growth involves hard work, coaching, reading and exploring areas like psychology, brain chemistry and spirituality and that's exactly what Lucy's been doing. She also tries to live in the moment. A key lesson for her has been to avoid dwelling on the past or worrying excessively about the future. Living in the moment brings peace, mental clarity and improved focus on current activities. Engaging in hobbies and activities helps to achieve this mindfulness. Another learning for Lucy is not taking things personally. Overtaking the urge to take things personally and being overly attached to others' opinions is a significant achievement. Recognising that everyone has their own manual for how things should be and not internalising negativity is crucial for personal growth and sobriety. One of Lucy's mantras is, change your thinking, change your life. And indeed, shifting one's perspective and challenging negative thoughts is essential. Our thoughts are not always accurate and our thoughts will influence the way we feel. Being curious about our thoughts can lead to reframing situations and ultimately improving overall happiness. And Lucy's learning number five is that nothing really matters. Learning that events and situations are in fact neutral and it's our interpretation that gives them meaning. Choosing happiness over the need to be right can lead to a more fulfilling life. A few quick tips from Lucy for getting through the festive season. Plan, plan, plan. Plan ahead. Plan activities and responses to challenging situations this festive season. Be curious. Approach the sobriety journey with curiosity and self-reflection. Visualise success. Envisage positive outcomes and focus on enjoyable aspects of the festive season. Choose happiness. When you're in a family gathering at the festive season, opt for happiness over being right in arguments. And finally, have an escape plan. If social situations become challenging, have an escape plan. Finally, I asked Lucy for her advice to someone struggling to get started. Her response was that they should take the first step, acknowledge the need for change and start with small goals. Be curious. Embrace curiosity as your companion in sobriety. Understand that setbacks happen and progress is more important than perfection. That's why the trackers are so great. You can see your progress at a glance. And finally, Lucy believes that learning to cope without defaulting to drinking is essential for long-term sobriety and personal growth. So during that conversation, you had some great advice from Lucy, including her tips for surviving the festive season without resorting to alcohol. 
So don't forget to drop us an email at membership at tribesober.com if you'd like Lucy's Christmas tracker, which will enable you to record your alcohol-free days during December. And you should also know that we've just opened our annual Dry January fundraiser. Of course, many people do a Dry January, but we open our fundraiser on the 1st of December, as we know that some people actually prefer the support during the run-up to the festive season, which can be particularly challenging. All you do is make a donation to a good cause and you'll receive online and community support for 30 days. You can get all the info on tribesober.com. So let me finish by reading out a lovely message from member Aileen. I'm just back from my second alcohol-free holiday. For me, drinking alcohol never crossed my mind and I really enjoyed people watching. It really fascinates me now how focused people are on drinking when they're out and about and especially on holiday. On a catamaran at 9am and alcohol flowing freely. For me, it was a beautiful experience. I remember every conversation. I love being free to enjoy the experience rather than thinking about the next drink. I really believe I'll never go back. I can only see alcohol now as a thief. It steals real joy and memories and I now know that I don't even need it. Even better, I don't want it. We can do this. Oh, thank you, Aileen. Yes, sober holidays are awesome. And the best thing is we come home feeling recharged rather than exhausted. Aileen's in her second year of sobriety, but like many other of our members, she's sticking with her tribe to help other people. So if you're struggling with alcohol and want to benefit from the wisdom of people who've been just where you are now and come out the other side, then just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe thank you so much for listening i'll be back next week ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain it's hard it takes courage and grit and an experienced guide and that's where we come in here at tribe sober we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing we've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way we've got challenges chat rooms Sober Buddies, Trackers, and Milestone Awards. And that's just for starters. So go to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.